You're listening to episode 103 of the Tennis Files podcast with special guest Sam Jones. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everyone, my name is Mirban Iranshad, and on the Tennis Files podcast, we interview top tennis experts, coaches, and players to help you improve your tennis game. And today we have a very interesting interview for you, and it's with Sam Jones, and he's actually a play tester at Tennis Express. And Tennis Express is a fantastic website where you can get a lot of tennis gear, shoes, rackets, etc. And I thought it would be really cool to interview a play tester. And so what I mean by a play tester is somebody who actually tests gear uh, and then you know presents that information to you. So for example, Sam tests different rackets, different strings, and shoes as well. And it's a very cool job that I think would be very cool for you to learn about to the ins and outs of what it's actually like to be a play tester, uh, how much gear he tests, and uh, whether he has you know 50 million rackets and strings in his basement or something like that that. And we also, of course, get into tips for you all uh, to help you choose the proper racket and strings and gear for you. So very interesting stuff. I've never interviewed a playtester before, but I've also always really appreciated all the effort that these playtesters put into their reviews because a lot of times, especially when we're shopping online, we don't know exactly what string is right for us. But through reviews from both players and playtesters, especially who take a really deep dive into these different uh, tennis um, rackets, strings, shoes, etc. That's how we often make our decisions. So uh, you got to give it up to them. So uh, I think you'll really enjoy this interview uh, with Sam. And without further ado, here it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I'm really excited to have Sam Jones, a playtester and content writer from Tennis Express, on the podcast today to talk about tennis gear and the life of a playtester. Uh, we've actually never had a playtester on the podcast, so I think that it's definitely going to be really interesting for everybody to listen in on, uh, you know, just the ins and outs of having that sort of pretty cool and, I think, rare job. But uh, to give you a bit of background on Sam, as I mentioned, he is a content writer and play tester for Tennis Express, and he was also a four-year member of the Southwestern University men's tennis team from 2001 to 2005. So I guess you're a couple years older than me, uh, Sam, but not too much. Uh, I graduated in 2007, and uh, Sam achieved uh, all SCAC, which is the Southern Collegiate Athletic Conference uh, status his senior year, and then he began a 10-plus year coaching career. Uh, so Sam clearly has an extensive background 
round in tennis. Uh, Sam was also certified as a master racket technician in 2011. So he also has some very good stringing skills here. And uh, Sam has always been fascinated by new string and racket technologies and how they can help tennis players improve their games and avoid injuries. So that is very cool as well. And Sam, once again, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Bourbon, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. Oh, anytime, Sam, anytime. And so uh, first question for you here is um, everybody wants to know this, I think, for a playtester, but how much gear do you have stuffed in your house, in your closets, and everywhere else? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, too much is the is the short answer. Um, I'm, I guess you'd say I'm, I, probably all playtesters are somewhat racket hoarders. You know, you kind of, you, you get a racket and you use it and then maybe you, you, you switch rackets or, you know, you buy a new one that you really like. And I've never been so good at getting rid of the ones <laughs> after I'm, I'm no longer using them. So I bet I've got, and I guess I got to combine with, with my wife, what she has. So we probably have 20, 25, 30 rackets scattered throughout the house and garage. I'm always getting yelled at to keep them in the garage, but um, that's the way it goes, you know? Wow, that, that's pretty awesome. And uh, as far as tennis, so we talked about your background, and I believe you're also a 5-0 player like me, which is, uh, I mean, very high level, but uh, <laughs> not patting myself on the back here. But uh, how did you get your start playing tennis? So uh, actually, a friend of mine, uh, basically, he was into a kind of just a recreational tennis program at a local municipal park in Dallas where I grew up. And, you know, moms will be moms. And his mom said something to the effect uh, to my parents, like, hey, uh, so-and-so is doing this this tennis clinic. He seems to really like it. The coaching is really good. You know, they're building kind of life skills through tennis, things that are very translatable. Why don't you get Sam and, and another one of y'all's friends to, to come out and do it with him? It's just twice a week, you know, about an hour, an hour class. And, and I did it. I went through it. It was probably like a six-week session. And, you know, I kind of stopped for a while, actually. Went back to just normal stuff you know, baseball when baseball season was going, basketball when basketball season was going. And it wasn't until maybe uh, maybe four or five months later where I I just sort of remembered the tennis, the tennis camps and the tennis classes that I had gone to. And I just really got the bug hard. I think I think this is going to date me a little bit. But I remember in 1995, uh, I remember Agassi losing in the Wimbledon semifinals to Boris Becker. And I just remember that he lost. And that was the first tennis match that I ever remember, you know, sitting down somewhere. I think I was at a hotel and I saw that match was on TV and I was just captivated by it. So that was kind of my, I think, I think that really set the hook in me. Like I just really was interested in, and then pretty much straight away, I was trying to figure out what racket is Agassi using, you know, he's using it's yellow and black. It looks like a bumblebee, you know, and I was pretty much infatuated with that stuff from the beginning. That's awesome, Sam. Uh, great background there. And then with tennis gear in particular, what made you so interested uh, in regards to uh, tennis gear and equipment uh, as well as your, you know, your tennis interests? I mean, I think some of this is kind of funny, but I, I believe, you know, um, I've played a little bit of golf in my life, but I feel like golfers, you know, if you're not driving the ball straight, obviously you can fix it with a new club. <laughs> you know, you you obviously can, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm not able to hit the ball on the green. I need to spend $500 on a club. And and I think, you know, you and I know this, the reality is I could buy Roger Federer's racket. And if I, if I can't really generate 
generate any racket head speed, it's probably going to end badly for me. Mm-hmm. So I think I think in general, what I've appreciated about is like kind of sifting through, hey, this development in technology really can help, you know, the majority of players or it can help a certain type of player. Uh, my boss has always said he's always been a believer that there's there's a racket out there for everyone. But just because a racket works for you or for me doesn't mean that it works for other people. It might it's a very it's a very personal thing. So I think that and I'm I, I love the marketing of it. Um, you know, sometimes that can be it can be dubious when you're trying to figure out if something is, you know, really a new technology. But I think more importantly, what I like about the technology is it's all driven to get people out and play tennis. And that's that's kind of my goal is I want people to play tennis because the way I see it, the more people that are playing tennis, the more popular it is, the better for the game overall. So that's kind of where I come from um, as far as my obsession with technology and new gear and new equipment. Yeah, I really love that. I've had some other, um, I guess, tech-related individuals on the podcast, like Alan Iverson from Babolat and Preston Lemon from Wilson. And yeah, I think that I, I really love your outlook, Sam, because I think, you know, in the end, we should all be striving to get more people out there. It's just a, such a wonderful game with such a rich history. And it's also one of the healthiest and, in my opinion, safest sports <laughs> as well, which is kind of why my parents got me into tennis, but I fell in love with it. And so really appreciate all that you're doing and your passion for the sport. So as far as your life uh, as a play tester, in addition to being a content writer as well, uh, work for Tennis Express, uh, Sam, how did you actually end up becoming a play tester? So right out of college, I started uh, started teaching tennis and I moved back to the Dallas area and I started teaching tennis up there. And um, just pretty quickly, you know, I was at a I was at a, a T-Bar-M Tennis Academy and, and was traveling with juniors to tournaments throughout Texas. And, um, you know, just really as, as you do when you get out of college, just working like crazy. And uh, we were a, a sponsored academy at the time by uh, Prince. We were a Prince plugged in academy. And uh, I basically met uh, a sales rep for uh, a couple of racket companies there just when they were, you know, it was a big account. So I was always kind of, uh, you know, the 11th or 12th pro as part of a pretty big uh, junior operation there. But, uh, you know, I think I think he, he learned pretty quickly that I was um, a little bit more technically driven about, you know, which gear could be best for which levels of our juniors. And, um, you know, I think one of the big things was this was this was probably, yeah, circa 2006. So this is kind of where people are starting to use the big banger and the, the polyester strings. And so I think I, I acquitted myself and, and the, the sales reps kind of figured out I knew what I was talking about when I was asking them what they thought and what their opinion was about some of our, you know, 14 and under players using all polyester setups. And was that a good idea? And, you know, uh, I've kind of cultivated those relationships uh, just over the years. I, I ended up moving back to Austin. And I don't know if you know, but, you know, sales reps sometimes they the sales reps always seem to be the same guys they just sort of change brands sometimes you know it's just kind of a it's a small world tennis is you know that is just as well as i do um but yeah i just kind of kept kept in contact with these guys and you know i'd I'd, uh shoot them an email and see what was going on and and then kind of from then on uh uh kept in contact and then when i saw this job posting at tennis express for a basically they were looking for somebody to kind of mc their racket reviews um the guy that was doing it was really good 
good. He he's like really good at team sales now. So they were looking for somebody like that. And I think I got a couple of uh, really good recommendations from some sales reps out of Texas. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. As you mentioned that, uh, you know, the playtester is kind of a, a small world or sorry, uh, sales reps. I know that uh, previous guest Preston Lemon, he actually was uh, in the Babolat family and then he went to Wilson. Um, but yeah, very, very cool stuff there. And I'm really glad that you got into this very cool uh, type of job here. And uh, we mentioned, uh, Sam, that you do other things besides uh, playtesting gear and equipment. So can you kind of go into, you know, perhaps like what exactly, you, you know, is content writing and then maybe any other duties that you do at Tennis Express as well? Yeah, absolutely. So so the playtesting is the uh, it's the um, how do you say it? Like like the part the part the playtesting part of that of the job is, you know, it's easy because you're playing tennis, you know, you're you're testing gear. Um, of course, I'm based in Texas, so it's really hot right now. So I guess maybe that's the only thing I have, I'd have to complain about <laughs> with the actual play testing. But I would say more of the bulk of my time is, you know, we have we have so many products being released at really all times throughout the calendar year. Um, we're talking new shoes, new strings. I'm I'm not sure all of our I'm not sure all of the listeners have any idea how many different sets of string there are out there <laughs> in the world. It's it's a pretty incredible number uh walls upon walls upon walls for sure but a lot of my tasks are actually um a little bit more formulaic and that you know let's say company a or you know head racket sports comes out with you know a new string with the launch of a new you know uh, i guess the big thing now is the gravity rackets um so basically my responsibility isn't just to review those rackets uh written and video but also to write the descriptions for all of the models uh kind of do the research, get the assets from the manufacturers, check through the assets, um, you know, make sure everything makes sense to me because it's, it's really about telling a story. You know what I think, I think a lot of with, uh, with racket sports now, you know, you have to kind of convince somebody why they need a new racket. And <laughs> if, if I do a good job on the descriptions and I get, okay, well, you know, this version is going to have this, it's going to be a little easier on your arm, or it's going to have this technology. It's going to be, you know, a little bit crisp. So if you want something a little bit firmer, you got to go this direction. So a lot of it is is more of that, uh, um, you know, I guess you'd say data entry, but it's still the content I do is more, okay, why should someone buy a Blade 98 based on this description, you know? And so a little bit, you know, it, it sounds simple, but sometimes you're kind of scratching your head like, well, you know, this is a really great racket. There's a lot of people out there that use a Blade 98 right now that pretty much no matter what I say, they're going to buy it or pretty much no matter what I say, they're not going to buy it if they're not really a, you know, a Blade 98 fan. But um, so the, the biggest thing is all of these descriptions, it's not just the rackets, that it's not just the, you know, the Federer autograph or the Djokovic Speed Pro. It's also the, the um, you know, Speed Light or the Speed S or the mm -hmm. Speed MP Light. And that's where it gets a little tricky too, because it's, it's super easy to get excited about a racket that you would actually use, right? You know, you're, hey, man, I can see this, you know, I'm, I'm buying into this technology. It could help me in my own game, but it's a little bit harder when you're writing a description for maybe a game improvement racket or, you know, maybe a, a little bit longer, more powerful kind of tweener frame that isn't really something that I would use, but it's still my job to describe it accurately and get people excited about it. Right. Great stuff, Sam. And so what are some of the most important or maybe like the one or two most persuasive elements of these write-ups that you really think uh, people 
are looking for the most that really um, turned the switch on from like from curiosity to actually uh, purchasing a particular racket or string, etc.? Well, the answer to your question is I'm still trying to find that out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I don't think that it's. Uh, I believe that the descriptions are really really important, but I think you you have to have somebody that is you know at least perusing the site or looking or maybe they saw uh, you know something on social media about like a new head gravity or a new Wilson clash or, you know, something to that effect. And then once you kind of get them in that door, I think, you know, there's people that are spec hunters. They're, they're constantly looking for, well, I need something in a mid plus, but it needs to be heavier than 10 and a half ounces, but lighter than 11 ounces. And I need it to be this flex rating or this string pattern. You know, there's people that are like that, that will never buy a racket out of their, you know, favorite specs. But there's also people that kind of get to our site and they don't have, you know, sort of a preconceived notion about what they need. Um, so a big portion of my job is actually, along with the product descriptions, we have tennisexpress.com slash blog. And we write, like I have a beginner's guide to buying rackets on there. Um, it's it's basically a, you know, a, a what's what or, or the five W's of, you know, weight, swing weight, all the, all that fun stuff and what it means kind of in layman's terms. Um, so a lot of it, I think, is just educating the consumer and you want to sell rackets, but maybe the, the worst thing you can do is it's kind of thing I, I have nightmares about is, you know, you sell a 3-0 level player that's just kind of getting started and enjoying the game and maybe playing a little bit of league tennis and then you get them into the wrong racket, you know, and then you kind of fast forward a couple of weeks and they're like, hey, my elbow hurts. What's going on? And I look and it's, okay, great. Well, they've got a, you know, near 12 ounce racket yeah. and it's strung way too tight with the, <laughs> right, with the wrong string. And so then it's like, okay, well, you know, whoever it was or, you know, they're in the wrong racket. So, the you know, the goal is to try to educate so that especially those first time players, because, you know, the thing is, if you get a first time player and they hurt themselves playing tennis, all of a sudden it's not so injury free. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, then then you might lose that player for a while, you know, just based on some some uh, uh, maybe incorrect advice that like a, a club pro gave or, you know, maybe a friend said, hey, I use this racket and it's great, but it mm -hmm. would be totally wrong for, you know, more of a beginner level player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great stuff, Sam. And uh, very interesting stuff here with the content writing. So another follow-up for you. I'm curious, do you ever get any sorts of pressures or anything from particular, I mean, you have to name them, of course, but like particular brands or maybe like follow-ups, like they read it and they say, hey, you should have said this and that. Like, is that part of your daily ex or, you know, experience every so often or is it pretty uh, detached? I mean, we're all, we're all in the business of selling tennis and selling the game. And so I'll answer that this way. If if I'm, you know, kind of on the fence maybe about a racket, I will try to very eloquently state, hey, you know, this may not be the racket for me, but it could be the racket for this version of a tennis player. Um, you know, as far as the videos and stuff, we have great uh, production, video production guys at, uh, at Tennis Express and we get assets from a lot of the manufacturers, you know, like little clips, video and um, that sort of thing. So we try to always do good by or do right by the manufacturers. You know, if they give us some info or some photos, you know, we, we always try to, um, you know, do right by them and say, hey, we're going to use these assets if you give them to us. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not really, uh, uh, you know, this racket's terrible. That's not really my. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the thing is about a comment like that is that doesn't really tell anybody anything if yep. that makes sense mm -hmm. it's more about well you know why is this not for you or you know why is this for somebody else um but uh 
Uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's really uh, it's not so much a um, a uh, this rack is terrible. No one should use it. It's a lot more eloquent than that. It's hey, if you are a five O level player, then the the speed S might be a little too much racket for you. If you're you know what I mean. It's so right. so it's kind of that it's kind of that uh, you know touch and go. As far as you know, the manufacturers uh, at times will want to look at something you know before you post it on YouTube or mm-hmm. I try to do it just as a, a courtesy so that the manufacturers know we're using the assets that they give us. Like mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine being a, a sales rep and I get, you know, Sam from Tennis Express, the rackets ahead of time. And then the launch date comes and the rackets are collecting dust in the corner and no one's done anything or written anything or shot any videos. Right. That would be incredibly frustrating, I think. Mm-hmm. So I always try, uh, you know, really, really hard with when we get the gear ahead of time to try to have the reviews or at least a couple of the reviews shot like if it's a whole racket line that comes out we want to try to do everything we can do um, and of course that helps us as a as a store as well having that content ready for the pre-sale date or you know when the demos can ship having having a video about it just so people know you know what's out there what's coming soon and and all the important dates awesome stuff Sam appreciate that and uh, makes a lot of sense and as far as uh, being a play tester so I'm sure that uh, after even currently, you know, people at this point listening to the podcast, they might think, oh, wow, I would love to be a play tester. I get exposed to testing out all this gear. Like, wow, what a life, you know. Um, but what right. What are the qualifications or skills needed to become a play tester as far as you know? Uh, I think I think a lot of it is is less. Everyone's going to think, oh, well, you need to have played the U.S. Open and have ATP points. You know, a lot of those guys, they're not as finicky as you might think. I mean, some are, but it's about being a tennis nerd, man. <laughs> if if you love gear and you love tech, and I think a lot of the times the better racket reviews and the better playtesters that I've seen or reviews that I've written are more from kind of the everyman. You know, I think I think sometimes our our racket reviews, there's this perception where, okay, well, people are tuning into our racket reviews, but we're not ATP players or WTA players. And the, the thing I've always kind of thought is if people want to watch ATP or WTA players, they can watch Wimbledon. Um, you know, they're they're tuning into a review or they're they're reading a review because they kind of want to know what maybe a normal human thinks about you know the the new frame or you know the the new racket line that's come out. Um, I think that and just being uh, be willing to put yourself out there and research and and you know contact reps when you have questions. Um, and, and that could be you know just a club pro or you know a stringer or you know just kind of kind of paying attention to all the information that's out there and and maybe sifting through that. I think the really important thing for a playtester is that you can't just be set in your ways. You know, you can have things that you gravitate towards that you might like, but you have to kind of go into any review, any product review and, and allow yourself to be convinced or just the same way. If you, you know, we all have our favorites. If you, if you love the you know, the Federer autograph or you love the AeroPro when you test a new version, you can't just, you know, be giddy and, you know, oh, well, I, you know, I love this so much. This is awesome. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, you kind of have to be willing to allow yourself to be convinced and kind of clean the slate and say, okay, well, if this is the first arrow I've ever used, how do I feel about it? You know, what are, what are the things that, that, uh, previous arrow users might want to know compared to the old one? And what are some things that people that might not even know that rackets come out every three years might want to know? 
Um, so it's just kind of like having that empathy and putting yourself in and, you know, imagining any potential person that could be purchasing the racket or reading your review or watching it. It's like, how could, how could you relate to them any information that could help them on their search for a racket or search for strings or even shoes? Awesome, Sam. Yeah, that's really helpful stuff. And regarding being a play tester, of course, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. But what is your favorite part that you just absolutely love about being a play tester? I think it's. I think it's really cool um, slash infuriating because there's times when there's times when I'll see gear uh, way ahead of time. Right. Um, You know, most most tennis rackets now and and I guess most consumer products in general, they'll have, you know, like an iPhone, they'll have like a presale date and then they'll have the day that they ship. And that's kind of the same story with rackets, too. You know, they'll announce a new. Uh, I think Head just announced, for example, like a new Gravity Racket series is coming, and the pre-sale was last week, but the ship date is next week. So, you know, we had to, in order to have our content out in time, you know, we had to have those rackets well in advance of both of those dates. So, on the one hand, it's really, really cool to get to kind of be one of the first people to see the rackets and the retail uh, paint and and how they look, and uh, I also. The nerd in me loves to get them on the the Babolat RDC and see. Okay, well, they really dialed the swing weight up here, or you know, this is a lot more flexible than it used to be, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think I think a difficult part of that is when I'm just playing tennis for fun. I I got a group of guys that I play doubles with on uh, in Austin every Thursday night, and sometimes you know I know stuff that's going to be on the market, and I just hit with it and they're asking me questions about rackets and I, I can, you know, I can sort of nod and wink and say, Oh, well maybe don't buy something yet, but you're also kind of so excited, but you're, you're operating at a much different schedule really than, you know, like when the ad comes out in tennis magazine about a new racket, you know, I've, I've probably hit the racket or, you know, put it on the RDC. Like I've probably, by the time you see the video, I'm probably sick of whatever racket the video is. Um, so that, in that way, it's, it's really cool. And I, I definitely, the tennis nerd in me kind of, I, I nerd out and look at the new specs and the new, uh, pictures and everything. And then I'm like, great, I can't really tell anybody about this for six weeks. So at, at times that part can be kind of frustrating because, um, you know, everyone's not as much in the know, um, as you are. Yeah, Sam, that makes sense. But uh, I heard uh, the, the head honcho Brad there actually told me that he has inserted a uh, secret camera on those courts, so he knows everything you're saying. So you're you yeah, know. he does. He yeah. does. <laughs> no. Everywhere are his spies. <laughs> that's right. That's right. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, well, at least as far as I know. But um, as far as you know, be, being a playtester, you, you did kind of mention that it is difficult for you as far as like not divulging information. I'm sure that that would be in in anyone's case, especially with friends who are constantly asking you. Which, if your friends are listening, please stop asking Sam all these questions. <laughs> uh, he'd appreciate it. But um. As far as being, as far as like difficulties being a play tester in regards to the actual play testing, like what are one or two things that are, that kind of are, are the tough aspects of, of being a play tester? Well, one of the, one of the tough things is, um, um, you know, it's, it's most of the listeners probably have not 
had a lot of experience being videoed uh, while you're playing tennis. And if you have been videoed, chances are it's probably of you smashing a racket or, you know, <laughs> something less than, uh, less than glamorous. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, there's, there's definitely an art to it. Um, you know, our, our video guys, again, are just outstanding about, um, you know, the edits. And, uh, I think the first time I went to, to play test rackets and we were, you know, shooting, going to shoot the reviews at tennis express, we had, we had five rackets to shoot. And, you know, I, I just thought, okay, well, you know, we're going to go out there and, and, and knock out these five rackets in a couple of hours. And then later today, we're going to have five videos ready to rock, you know, all produced and polished and edited and everything. And I mean, the reality is it, it's, it's a lot more work than just the shooting. And I'm sure, I'm sure the video guys are smiling at me right now. Um, but you know, the hitting part is, uh, you know, you, everybody's first inclination is to just blast balls. Right. And so while that can be really fun and, if you make one out of those 10 balls that you've blasted, then uh, it looks really cool in the video and you can you know, send the link to your friend and say, hey, check out this forehand at 27 seconds in. But the reality is you, know, you, you, bl- you try to blast 10 forehands and you make one, now you're tired, right? Mm. And so then you've got three more rackets to shoot and then it's taking longer and longer and you're fatigued because you were hot dogging and now you're tired. So – it really can turn into like, hey, you know what? What we're looking for here is sustainable rallies, keeping the ball in play. Um, it sounds silly, but showing the consumer that you know the Babolat Pure Drive can keep the ball in the court. You know, it's not mm-hmm. uh, anybody that's played tennis, even at the highest level, knows that it's it's all about mistakes, right? And so there is not a racket invented. I don't I don't know of one yet where you don't make mistakes. So. Um, a lot of times some creative editing is used when I flub an easy volley after a great rally or, mm-hmm. um, you know, miss a, you know, dunk an overhead into the net. But the general idea is, okay, you're going to go out there and try to crush everything, but you got to just simmer down, <laughs> simmer down a little bit and, and just kind of play and play the points. And, you know, if you miss, don't get too down about it. Um, if you, if you hit a great shot, you know, have a little bit of fun with it. But, um, I'd say that was the first thing that, that was a shocker to me again, as I thought it was going to be like a two hour turnaround and, you know, you get all the hitting footage of three play testers, right. And then there's the, well, you know, Sam was sweating, you know, in this shot, so we can't use it, you know, or, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind sure. of these minor things or a ball rolled onto the court. So that 20 ball rally is done. We can't use it, you know? Right. right. Um, so there's just a lot more kind of polishing. And then, you know, we go into, uh, studio, uh, and you know, some of the times in, in studio, we'll do our commentary on the rackets kind of after we'll hit. And mm-hmm. I actually do a lot better in that scenario, sort of off the cuff, just, just kind of talking about how the equipment made me feel. Some people are different. Some people kind of like some bullet points or, you know, some sort of script. I'm, I'm, it probably makes me more nervous when I'm talking about rackets that, that, that there's a script, you know, I'm, I do much better if it's just kind of, this is how I felt about it. You know, I struggled here, but I really loved this, you know, um, this, that, and the other thing. So, um, I'd say going into it, you know, okay, I'm going to be a play tester. It's going to be great. You know, I thought the process was going to be pretty cut and dry, but it's just a lot more involved and there's a lot more moving, moving parts than, than, than anybody would, would ever think. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Sam. So you're basically a, 
a writer, a playtester, and also an actor as well. So, um, yes, yes, in, in a certain in a certain sense, yes. Sure. Yeah. No. But um, yeah, that, that's that's really cool, and appreciate your insights on, um, you know, especially like the video production. I know that's definitely hard, and uh, with all video, it certainly will be more than one take, of course. And uh, yeah, a lot of effort in, into producing a high quality video for for the whole team there. Um, as far as equipment, the funny thing too. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was no, just no. going to say the funny thing too is, you know, with regards to playtesting, and and you get a little bit of this from tennis pros too, teachers, right? So, you know, you and I can go out and sort of strike the ball down the middle, and mm-hmm. you know, we're sort of rallying, but you know, the second we spin the racket, and you know, the serve is included, like it's it's a very different ball game, right? Like it changes so much, and I always used to think when I was teaching a lot of lessons that, you know, I'd be hitting with a, you know, like a player that could rally, but, you know, we're not really competing against each other. And then, you know, I'd have a weekend league match and I'm like, why is this guy not hitting it right to me? You know, it's, <laughs> it's such a, it can, it can kind of like, you know, you think, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to test rackets on Tuesday and then I have a match on Friday. So I'll, I'll be ready because I play tested on Tuesday. No way. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> it's definitely like a, well, wait a minute. Don't they know that I'm supposed to finish this ball with a high volley. What are they thinking? You know, so um, it's it's definitely like a difference in okay, play testing. You know, keeping the ball in play. You know, trying to trying to show the racket's qualities, mm-hmm. and then man, I'm just trying to get to the bench because it's 100 degrees outside. You know, you're trying to trying to compete, and then sort of uh, play test rackets is really really different and. It's uh, I'm trying to think, I guess probably tennis pros could relate the most, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you've taught five hours yeah. and then maybe you and another pro are, are going to strike some balls after you're, you know, you've both already kind of court logged for five hours and then somebody goes, let's play a set. And you're like, what? <laughs> it just sounds, it's just a totally different feel. Yeah, no, totally. Like they're probably starting their matches with the continental grip because they're feeding for like ten hours straight. But um, exactly, <laughs> that's a that's good stuff there, Salmon. Uh, so I guess we we talked about the equipment. I, I wanted to ask if there was any other equipment you test. Like uh, obviously, you're testing rackets and strings. Is there any other equipment that you test as well? Uh, every now and again, I test. I get to play test some shoes. Um, nice. That is. You know, it, along with rackets, shoes is a tough one because, like, everybody's making good shoes. You know what I mean? I mean, every brand now has – they've got an $80 pair, a $110 pair, and a $150 pair. And I know 150 is high, but it is what it is, right? I mean, that's yeah. – that seems like that's the – that's where things are headed. Um, but, you know, the the tougher part of, like, the shoes is you get to – um, while people have different game styles, people definitely have different foot types. They've oh, yeah. got different strides, different foot shapes. So I find that to be uh, maybe because I know a little bit less about it, like I have a little bit less expertise in it. But I find the shoes to be a lot more daunting as far as you know trying to explain. You know, well, you know, for example, well, these shoes hit hit my feet great. You know, I I wore them. You know the first time and played five sets and they're awesome, no blisters. And then, you know, somebody reads that review and they're like, what were you wearing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, these shoes cut my feet up like crazy. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, that, the, the shoes are, are tough. Um, they're, um, it's cool. That's a, that's a fun part. Um, you know, I, I, I wear a lot of the play test shoes. I'll wear them to play tennis in, but I also wear them to the gym and, you know, for lack of a better word, just try to beat them up. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and see see 
how much they can take, you know, um, how long the cushioning's lasting, you know, how light they are, how nimble. Um, uh, when, when I was a kid, my mom, I, I didn't always have the greatest tennis gear, but the one thing my mom always said is you got to have good shoes. Yes. And so I routinely would have, you know, target shorts and a t-shirt on, uh, with Hanes socks, but then I'd have, you know, like some <laughs> Sanford shoes on or something, you know, there you go. Uh, but I mean, that shoe technology is, is, I mean, we're talking about, think about the gap from Stan Smith's back in the day to now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty mind boggling. And I, I don't know, I might even say that the, the shoe technology rivals or maybe surpasses the racket technology changes mm-hmm. because it's, it's a totally different sport. Um, the way these guys are moving right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, shoes are like, so just so important. I mean, really that's something you don't want to uh, cheap out on because it can make the difference between actually even getting injured or not, uh, depending on, on the shoe that you get. And you want to do the research, like Sam said, as far as what type of foot type do you have? Like how do the sizes for the brand run and, uh, and you know, et cetera, I guess. But, um, yeah, good stuff there. And, um, just curious about maybe some funny stories if you have any. I mean, do you have any, uh, like, I guess, <laughs> funny or, or uh, weird stories like when you were testing a particular piece of gear or equipment, something happened that was unexpected, something like that? Uh, well, this was pretty funny. Um, we were we were testing um, – we test indoors at uh, Westheimer Indoor Tennis Club and uh in houston and they're real great to us and and let us use courts and um it's a really really cool place kind of you know located right in the heart of of uh uh western houston and we were in there one time you know shooting things are going along you know we've got a couple of rackets done we're moving on to the next racket and you know we're indoors right and then it starts raining Mm. (laughs) and you don't think of you don't think of that as like being a big thing but you know, your mics, if, if the rain is hitting the, the structure, you know, it really start, you really can hear it. You know, yeah. It really changes some of the dynamics. And that, that's kind of one of the things you don't think about. And so I remember going back and the guy who shoots it isn't always the same guy who's editing it. And, and Richard, one of our editors, one time we came back after the rain and he's like, what was going on in there? <laughs> you know, what was that? He's like, yeah, well, we got halfway through the play test and it just started pouring. I mean, it, it wasn't like a slow kind of middling rain. I mean, it was, you know, raining sheets. And mm-hmm. so it was really loud, you know, the kind of thing where you almost wouldn't even drive because it's raining so hard. Um, but, it, you know, it was so loud and, and we we could use the footage, but there's pretty much minimal audio. You know, you can't, mm-hmm. you, know, you kind of have to use the voiceover there. But right. that was that was one time. I always think it's funny, um, you know, every now and again uh, on a play test, one of us will just get wrong footed or, you know, fly a ball into the back fence or something. And sometimes just off the cuff reactions or like, sometimes I'll be a dope, uh, a big dope. And <laughs> if I hit an overhead for a winner, I'll like pump my fist and you know, the, the other play tester just rolls his eyes and, you know, I roll my eyes too. Um, but I think a lot of that actually, it, it, it translates too. it's like, it's like, it's humanizing. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, Everybody gets excited when you just level a forehand return or when you, you know, play a drop volley to perfection. Like that's what makes tennis fun. So when we do those, when we do those reviews, we want to try to keep it so that, you know, obviously everybody knows there's production involved, but we want, we want them to know that there's real people and, you know, we miss shots too, or, you know, uh, I think, I think I hit, uh, 
I had a, a, a tweener during one of the, the play tests early nice. on and it was like the, it was like the first take and <laughs> I know I know nobody, nobody will believe that, but it was the first take and then I think I probably tried you know three or four more and I'm like ofer on them. <laughs> but you know again, it, it's just kind of fun and, and uh, you know goofy. I think sometimes like uh, you know we'll, me and one of the other play testers will get in like a slice contest you know where we're just chopping the ball, you know, mm-hmm. trying to keep it low and, you know, just kind of little moments like that of levity, um, that, that really makes it fun. You know, when, you know, the tough part, right. I'm, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but the tough part is when, you know, you're, you're not feeling great on the court. Like I, I tweaked my knee about a month ago and, mm. you know, it was tough because I'm like, man, my job is to get out there and, and test some of this gear. And, you know, we got to, you know, we got all these rackets are starting to stack up and, and so, you know, you don't really think about that. Like, uh, you know, if you're a professional tennis player and you hurt your knee, you're not making money. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, during, during that time when I hurt my knee, I was like really feeling, I was like, man, I got it. Like, I'm not, I'm not in the know. I don't, you know, I haven't felt these new rackets. I don't really know what they feel like. Cause I can't move that great. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. So, you know, the... The fun and levity, you know, you can get hampered because we can still get hurt too. <laughs> mm-hmm. The older we get, the more we get hurt, right? So, yeah. Um, so, so that's a big part of it as well is just trying to stay healthy. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm not hitting that great that day, or, you know, I'm thinking about what I need to get at HEB, or, you know, um, <laughs> an, an, another one of our play testers is kind of, oh, they've got an exam that day or something <laughs> in school. So it's, you know, it's, it's always like, Hey, we got to refocus here. You know, sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll serve and, you know, like the old drill, right. You make the serve and then you make a return and then the point starts. And so many times during play tests or not so many times, but at times it's like a mental battle, like, okay, Sam, all you got to do is spin this serve in, you know, and I'll miss the Mm -hmm. serve and then Mm -hmm. I'll miss four in a row and then I'll make the serve and then the returner will miss. And, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, it's, it's like, Hey, we got to get, get our stuff together here. Time's a ticking. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's it's uh it's good stuff. It's definitely not an easy job and in, in in some senses it's just like uh I mean, yeah, you know, you're a tennis professional in, in terms of performing well on camera and things like that. But um I was also curious Sam about your string tests. I mean, of course you have like like you mentioned there's so many strings out there. So when you use string like do you just use it during the play test and then cut it out and then like restring it or like how does that usually work? So I can't speak to what the other the other guys or or playtesters do, but uh, I have a stringer in my garage. So um, if I am stringing at my own rackets, you know, I'll I'll try to leave um, I'll try to leave the strings in there. Um, I have um, since my gear obsession began, I've never been a leave the strings in the racket until they break guy mm-hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. I feel like a lot of the copolyester strings, they probably have a shelf life of, you know, you string it up, you're probably talking about, you know, 15 to 20 hours. 
Um, you know, maybe, maybe a little on the higher end sometimes with some strings, maybe on the lower end. Mm -hmm. Um, but so, you know, for example, I'll get a, I'll get a play test string that's a polyester and I'll string it in my garage and, you know, I'll, I'll hit it, you know, probably around 12 hours, 13, 12 hours or, you know, three or four times, you know, I'll hit with this string and then, okay, the reality is I'm going to have another string to write about. So, you know, I cut the string out. Sometimes I really don't want to cut the strings out, but <laughs> duty calls, so to speak, right? So, um, yeah, I'm 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 generally a, a believer that that a lot of the the recreational players see either breaking strings as a really bad thing, or they they want to keep the strings in their racket, you know, until they do break, until they do break. And you know, the strings are kind of like the engine of the racket, right? So it they need to be replaced quite a bit, just like an oil change. Sure. Yeah, it's really not worth it to just try to squeeze every single minute of your strings out if it's resulting in crappy performance, bad feel. I mean, why not just restring if you can? Uh, cu- curious, Sam, what stringer are you using? Can you kind of describe uh, it and and you know what type it is? It's uh, a good question. Uh, it's gonna it's gonna date me even more. It's an old <laughs> Alpha. Oh, it's an old oh. Alpha machine, nice. um, and it's a crank machine, mm-hmm. and I don't. I don't even think it actually has a model number on it. It's just a, uh, you know, two point mounting. Um, it's really, really old machine, but there, there's something, I am not a handyman in the slightest, but there's something that makes me feel like an incredibly accomplished handyman. The <laughs> fact that I have a really old stringing machine and I, I use it in the garage and I pull the racket off the machine. Like I'm from the sword and the stone or something, you know, just <laughs> look what I have created, you know, yeah. this awesome racket, you know, and, <laughs> but I don't know how to, you know, replace sheetrock. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I. that's, that's kind of my thing. And I, you asked me about, um, about rackets earlier, how many rackets I have. I've got more strings. Um, mm-hmm. thankfully they take, they take up less room, but, um, it really is ridiculous how many strings there are on the market. And mm-hmm. so kind of because of that, I'm, and because I'm writing reviews about strings, I'm just not somebody that can leave a string in there for a month. You know, sure, sure, that makes sense. So, I got one more question for you as far as play testing, and then uh, I want to ask you a few gear questions if that works. But, uh, so I know we talked about like, I guess, the qualities of a play tester, but let's say somebody right now is thinking, man, I want to become a play tester, you know, let's do this, right? So, if somebody wanted to do that, what advice would you give them? You know, what would they need to do to try to break through and actually become a play tester? Uh, well, they can email me. There you go. <laughs> um, they can email me. It's uh, samj at tennisexpress.com. Um, and then, you know, I, I think a lot of the, the tough things is that at first, um, you know, people say, yeah, you know, I'll test stuff. I'll test stuff. And then, you know, they they start testing stuff. And a little bit of sort of what we discussed already about switching between playtesting and competing, right? So, Let's say, okay, Mervon, you're going to be a playtester for Tennis Express, and I send you stuff, and you're like, well, Sam, I can't, I can't test this because tomorrow's our sectionals, you know, or, or I can't, you know, I, I, I know I need to test this because, you know, Sam needs the, the feedback, but I really just want to use my old string or my old racket, so it can kind of. At first, you just think, oh, well, that's just so easy. You know, I can just play test and I'm playing tennis anyway, and it's great. But there are times even where I'm playing competitive doubles and I want to win, but I'm like, well, 
you know, I, I really want to win. I should just use the racket that I use, but Mm -hmm. you know, I need to get a little bit more info about this stick and a little Mm -hmm. bit more, you know, uh, material so that I can write about it and produce the content. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, well, you know, I guess if I was playing for money, maybe I'd use my favorite (laughs) racket, but since, you know, this is just this, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing I'd say is, you know, people that play a lot of tennis, the odds are they're pretty competitive. Mm -hmm. And so, they're not going to be the ones who are like the Monday before a tournament. Yeah, I'll test that. Or so then you kind of run into, well, who that, who wants the play test gear that will actually follow through. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even the, I think the first play test string I ever got was from Luxalon mm-hmm. and nice. I'll be honest with you. Like they, they gave me a set of string and I play tested it and there was this form to fill out and all this stuff to fill out. And I, you know, I got busy doing what I was going to do and I didn't, I didn't fill it out. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a, it's a very easy thing to get people to sign up to play test, but Mm -hmm. it's a much more difficult thing to get the follow through of, Hey Sam, here are my 200 words on 4g or, you know, here's what I thought about, you know, Babylot's origin string or, you know, so um, not that everybody's like that, but it, it's, it's always easy, like, oh yeah, free stuff. I'm right, in. Right. And then like even even um even myself, like I I mentioned it earlier, I feel a lot of pressure when we get some of these assets earlier. We get, you know, like some sample string sets early. Like I want to get them on the stringer and try to get some, you know, a feel for the string and figure out, you know, what I can talk about. I don't want it, I don't want it to just sit there collecting dust and then, you know, they've produced something for me and I haven't I haven't delivered any kind of feedback for them. And um, I mean, at times it's a, it's a different kind of pressure for sure. But mm-hmm. the long and short of it is if you want to be a play tester, the number one thing is you ask. And then the second thing is you follow through. Right. If, right. if you're, if you're unable to, you know, Hey, I really want to be a play tester, but our season ends in a month and pretty much during season, I can't play test for you. I just feel like as long as all that stuff's sort of out front, um, it's a lot better. And then, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it happens. I don't think it's happened to us recently, but you know, you send somebody a test racket and you got to have some assurances that you're going to get it back. Um, (laughs) so, you know, there's, there's unfortunately some, uh, duplicitous people out there Mm. that, um, the, the other thing, and I mentioned this earlier was to be a play tester, you don't have to be an ATP pro. And a lot of times when people inquire about being a play tester, they, they exalt this, this, unbelievable playing career and i'm like why are you testing rackets from us just call wilson if you're that good they'll send it to you (laughs) right right so i think i think it's you know you'd be surprised i'm i'm an aspiring junior and and you know i'm i've achieved you know this ranking in northwest houston or you know like there's all this stuff and you're, you're trying to sift through like okay well you know students and kids have a lot of stuff going on it's it's great that they want to play test but if we're gonna if we're gonna dish uh, you know stuff out there, we've got deadlines to meet. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, pre-sale dates and and shipping dates. Like we want to try to have that content out as close to that date as possible. And if, right. if we're if we've got unreliable play testers, that's a lot harder to do. For sure, for sure. And these play testers, I mean, are they always going to be local to you, or do you do something where like they just put it on their own site or something? No, like that? no. We've got uh, we've got. Uh, 
a couple of playtesters that contribute and they're uh, offsite. One of them is based in Idaho cool. and he's been, he's been doing rackets for us for a long time. Um, so, and I actually, you know, we're, we're always looking for, you know, reliable play testers, you know, um, that can produce content. You know, it, it's nice if they have their own stringer, right? Because mm -hmm. if you've got your own stringer, then, you know, you can, you can string the racket at no cost. So if you think about it, even if I furnish you with some string, but you don't have a stringer, mm -hmm. you're still technically paying to play test because right. you've got to pay somebody to string it. So, right. um, with brackets, I guess it's a little different, but, mm. um, yeah, I mean, we're always looking for reliable playtesters. There's there's so much gear and so many so many strings and so many rackets coming out all of the time, every which way. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. Wow, that's that's so cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I definitely think I'm going to be trying to test some more gear. Actually, got a sweet new camera, so I'm going to put out some YouTube videos about. Of course, just helping everybody improve their game. In addition to this great podcast uh, with Sam here, but uh, Sam. Uh, as far as the brands out there, so and I mean, you you know, you don't have to name the names. You could if you want, but I'm going to ask you: What brands out there do you think are really producing some of the best quality rackets and strings, and uh, maybe apparel too? You know, like just maybe some suggestions that we should maybe gravitate towards at least initially when when looking at these types of products. So I love the the recent trend in um, making rackets that are a little bit more comfortable, mm -hmm. um, you know, on the arm, a little more, a little more user friendly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, your, your graphene 360 um, mm -hmm. from, from head, uh, you know, Wilson has the, the new clash technology mm -hmm. um, that's just, you know, the unreal comfortable rackets and they mm -hmm. still, they still offer pretty good stability. Um, I think another brand that uh, two brands that have kind of been coming on. Well, Babylon, obviously, you know, they're still Babylon. I mean, I'll say this: mm -hmm. I think, I think even Babylon that has, you know, historically, I feel like people have said are on the firmer side of things uh, as far as like a pure driver, a pure arrow. Mm -hmm. um, the flex ratings haven't changed all that much, but I do feel like those rackets are more comfortable. Mm -hmm. than in years past so that's a that's a really good sign um and then kind of two of the two of the smaller ones uh yonix um mm -hmm. if you've paid any attention to pro tennis they have they have really stepped up and they're you know a lot of yeah. the younger american players are, are playing yonix mm -hmm. um you know that that's uh they've always kind of been around but i think right now um in our store they're you know i think i think number four probably Babylon and Wilson kind of switch back and forth and then head and then, um, and then probably Yonix. Um, and then one of the cool things about, about tennis express, uh, you know, a lot of local clubs will have your Wilson and your Babylon, uh, and your head. Uh, but a lot of the smaller brands, you know, like we you know vocal and Technofiber and, mm -hmm. uh, Pacific, you know, some of these brands that make really, really nice products, but you just don't, you don't see them like in your pro shops. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of cool for, you know, for working at tennis Express is that we get to see some of those kind of smaller, um, smaller market, I guess, but still, you know, primo grade a products, mm -hmm. um, that they produce. Um, I, I like all of the brands. I, I think, um, I think the, the thing I'm most excited about now though, is that with all the manufacturers, they seem to be gravitating away from, 
stiffer, lighter, uh, you know, more arm problems, or excuse me, more arm problems and to, Hey, we want to keep these tennis players playing tennis. And so, um, you know, they're, they're doing subtle things to the makeup of these rackets that there's a little less arm fatigue. And, you know, while the ultimate cure for tennis elbow is, you know, proper technique, I think, uh, I think the, the other solution can be just designing equipment that kind of saves people from themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, if they're over swinging, maybe there's a little bit more dampening, a little bit, a little bit more comfort built in. Right. right. I know that was very politically co- correct, you know, not, not <laughs> no, picking no, no. a favorite brand. So no, that was good. Um, that was good. You named some yeah. of the best ones out there uh, that I definitely agree with. Um, uh, and some that have been in the podcast. So great stuff, Sam. And, uh, I, I know you mentioned some gear, but I'm curious about, any like any new gear that you can actually <laughs> I'm being like your friends now, but basically any gear that I guess you can already disclose that either is already out, but new that you've like recently tested or you're going to test um, anything like that, that we should be excited about. So we have hit be on the lookout. Um, I'll, I'll say this. I can neither confirm nor deny the presence of, no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, uh, the, the, from Wilson, you know, they, they just had their clash Mm -hmm. release, but they're, they're also about to update, uh, the most popular racket on the pro tour. Uh, Um, and I think anybody can probably deduce what that is. Um, Mm -hmm. if they do just a little bit of Getty image searching or, or, you know, turning on the TV, but, um, (laughs) we have hit them, the new versions, Mm. they're very sharp. If you know what I'm saying, very mm. sharp. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, they got a really cool look to them. And that should be around, I think, just prior to the U.S. Open. I want to say mm. I want to say we should be getting some teasers in the next uh, probably next week uh, nice. about this racket that I can neither confirm or deny exists. Mm. Um, but uh, really, really cool stuff. It's got a great look to it. Um, uh, yeah, so Wilson is is definitely going to be updating one of their most popular uh, pro tour lines, and uh, it's also a really popular model in the college game as well. Sweet, sweet, very cool. Appreciate that, Sam. So, as far as the approach for selecting, uh, let's go with rackets and strings. Well, I know they might be kind of different, perhaps, but can you give us a general approach that we should take just so that it can kind of help? cut down, you know, any, any, you know, time and like any necessary, any like pains that people normally experience in like spending hundreds of hours on like trying to find the perfect string or racket. So the, the two biggest things for me are that if you're going to use a, a call a, a polyester or a co-polyester string mm-hmm. racket head speed has to be the prerequisite. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're taking a college course and, you know, top spin forehands, and you haven't taken the racket head speed course, then you're going to have a really hard time going to the 201 level for the top spin course, right? So mm-hmm. you have to – that is the prerequisite. If you, if you cannot make the strings move on the racket, then polyester strings aren't really going to do much for you. And you're probably going to uh, – you're probably using the wrong string and your arm's probably going to be barking at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the first thing that I'd say. Um, the, the second thing is that there's a general rule I try to go by, and that's that 
if you're using a pretty flexible racket, you know, most of the time a flexible racket is going to be like a thinner beam. Um, if you're using a more flexible racket, then you can use stiffer strings, right? I think what, what I would really try to avoid is let's not use a very stiff racket with a very stiff string at a very high tension. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of like the three the three X's in a row. That's that's probably bad news. Um, unless you have uh, unless you make your living with ATP prize money, then <laughs> you don't have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> you don't have to, you you don't have to no, listen kidding. to Sam. Yeah, you still should. You're right. <laughs> but you don't have you don't have to listen to Sam on his soapbox. But um, and then I touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, nowadays, there are more and more monofilaments that don't mm -hmm. contain polyester. Right. So. You've got um, uh, Babylon Origin is one. Uh, it's it's kind of a unique feel. Like it's harder to describe. Um, you know, I'd almost just say you know spend the sixteen bucks on a set and try it. If if you've played polyester and your arm doesn't agree with it, but you don't want to you know saw through multi-filament strings really fast. Mm -hmm. um, Babylon Origin's a good one. Uh, mm -hmm. Head FXP Tour. Uh, a lot of the manufacturers are now kind of um, sort of like they did with tweener rackets in the mm -hmm. mid-90s. You know, they started making these rackets that, they, that were more usable by more game styles and, and ability levels. Mm -hmm. Now some of the manufacturers have strings coming out that are sort of – they have a little bit of polyester in them, but they also have uh, you know multifilaments and polyurethane. It's a bunch of big words, but basically they're searching for – you know, that right mixture for players that maybe need some control and durability from polyester, but they they still need some comfort as well. Uh, another example, Diadem has a string, Evolution, um, Ashaway, mm -hmm. Monogut, ZX is a, is a polyester-free monofilament. Um, and they're not for everybody, but it, I think it's just the manufacturers. They're trying to, they're trying to give options to, to players that – you know, like I said, they, they may love Rafael Nadal's string, but their arm may not. So, uh, you know, you're trying to trying to find that that, um, you know, right combination to keep them healthy and keep them playing uh, and still, you know, happy with the feel of the equipment. Awesome. The last thing I'll say on string is that I said it earlier is that um, breaking strings is not a bad thing. And so I see from time to time, hey, you know, I'm playing five hours a day and this string only lasts me three weeks and to which I say, well, that's kind of what it should do. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. if you're playing five hours a day, Monday through Friday, you know, at summer camps, I mean, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to string your racket with a uh, steel cable and it lasts that long. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what, you know, what people don't understand is that when you're, when you're hitting tennis balls uh, and you're swinging at a, a, a pretty quick rate of speed, uh, unless you're shanking the ball, the the strings are taking the beating right mm -hmm. and so you, you got to look at it that way that the strings are the disposable thing the racket you know you don't you don't want the racket taking the beating so so you're gonna break the strings the strings are gonna wear out and just not being afraid to spend the you know 12 to 15 dollars getting new strings um we spend you know however much 200 dollars on a new racket you know once every couple years and then we leave the same set of string in there for six months that's just mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. that's not uh that's not good math yeah 
Not good math at all. I agree. Yeah. And actually, when you mentioned um, the Ashaway uh, string, it, it rung a bell because you're a master racket technician. And also we had a uh, Tim Strawn as well uh, on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So in a previous episode, I can't remember the exact number, but I'll have it on the show notes page. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just really appreciate this advice as well. One thing that I wrecked my brain with um, actually recently, even though I played for so long, is uh, it's choosing the gauge of the string. So can you give us some advice on on choosing like which gauge, you know, you got 15, 16, 16 L, 17, 18, 19, and I'm probably missing some others, but can you give us some advice on choosing a string gauge? Yeah, so um I be, I believe a lot of this has has to do with your your frequency of of breaking strings, right? Okay. So let's say um let's say I've never played um you know, I've never played with a polyester string, but I'm starting to cut through, you know, my, uh, you know, 17 gauge Wilson NXT or, you know, Babylon Excel, whatever the case may be. Well, the, the first step I think is, okay, well, why not try 16 gauge, right? So, okay, we went from 17, let's go to 16. And if, if the string is lasting, you know, a pretty good bit longer then you know, we found the solution at least temporarily. Um, if if you you know you you start breaking that 16 gauge synthetic gut or multifilament pretty quick, I would graduate to um, you know Technofiber has a couple you know one of those I, I mentioned earlier like a um, uh, HDX sort of like a poly multi you know mm-hmm. I call it like an internal hybrid right so trying to get the best of both worlds right so before you'd go. Okay, well, now that I'm breaking my uh, print synthetic gut, uh, I want RPM blast, right? Mm-hmm. So there needs to be like a pretty big, you know, middle ground there. And so I would start somebody with like, a, okay, you're cutting through these synthetic strings now. Let's go to kind of one of those poly multi combo strings, like a, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? HDX. Uh, that's not the name of it, HDX Tour. Uh, or they've got a new one. Uh, oh, sorry, Duramix is what it's called from Technofiber. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if if the feel's not for you and you you really want to try a polyester string, I would try the thinnest gauge first. So um, again, what what that means is like so you're breaking that synthetic string once a week and it's getting to be really annoying, leaving your rackets to get restrung. I would start with a 17, 18, or even 19 or 20 gauge polyester string mm-hmm. um just the, just the idea that the the thinner string is is uh it's going to move more um and it won't be in my opinion quite as big a shock to the system as going from you know a 16 gauge excel to a 16 gauge rpm blast i mean you're talking some big time you know string bed stiffness change there and then you know along with the gauges you know i if i was stringing somebody's racket with polyester for the first time you know Nowadays, we keep hearing from the the pro stringing rooms that there are a lot of players in the 40s Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of pounds. You know, there's there's players even under that. Um, I think probably the median is now high 40s. Um, But but yeah, so um, in in general, I would use the thinnest gauge that you can use Mm -hmm. uh, and it not break, you know, in seconds. And then if you if you are really cutting through the thicker multi-filament or, or synthetic gut strings, maybe at first try a, a, a really thin gauge polyester and, and dial that tension down pretty good mm-hmm. uh, just to allow yourself like some time to get used to the, the different feel and 
Um, you know, the, the biggest mistake is, okay, I'm changing from synthetic gut to poly. I'll string it at the same tension. So mm -hmm. then you're trying a brand new material, which is kind of designed to not have any give uh, at the same tension. That's going to be a big time shock to the, to the arm. But yeah. we, we default too much in my opinion, to the 16 gauge, the 17 gauge, mm -hmm. even I think Rafa might use like a 15 gauge, but you know, last time I checked, I don't know of too many people that hit a ball quite like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the polyesters, especially thinnest gauge, you know, it's not just that you're not just carbon through. And then, um, you know, with multis, you, with a thinner gauge string, you know, you're going to get more, more bite. You're going to get more power. You're going to get more spin, so um, I had a guy not that long ago when I was teaching tennis, once a year he'd get his racket strung with natural gut and he hit the ball very flat. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he did. He, he, got his, he got his racket strung once a year. He's probably a, like a solid four or five level player, but I wasn't going to try to put him anything. He, he loves natural gut, so he spends a little bit more on it, but he only gets his racket strung once a year. You know, he, he keeps his racket in his house, so – the tension hold is really good. So for him, that works. Mm. Um, you know, you kind of, I, I feel like sometimes we're so quick to look to the pro tour for what they're using, but, um, you know, those guys, they play tennis for a living. So, um, you know, we, we need a little bit more help than that. Uh, even myself included, sometimes I get, you know, borderline obsessed with polyesters and I'm like, well, I'm like a 4.75 NTRP. So maybe it's time to, <laughs> you know, use some hybrids or use some softer strings. Sure. Sure. No, great stuff. Appreciate that. Uh, random question for you. This is kind of like almost like a stringing quiz, but it's really like, there's no right answer. It's just your preference. I just have like four random, uh, strings near me. Uh, I wanted to see like what your preference is. So I've got, okay. I've got the, uh, what the hell that, Oh, uh, Selenko, um, hyper G I've got, uh, Selenko tour uh, and these are both 17 gauge and then I've got a uh, cyclone 17 gauge and then I've got the cyclone tour, but that's a 16 gauge. I was just curious if you have any preferences and I may or may not use the first one that you mentioned. It's your favorite first. <laughs> cool. Um, the, you're talking about vocal cyclone, right? Yeah. Sorry. Vocal. Yeah. So vocal cyclone and vocal cyclone tour are incredibly underrated strings mm. and the prices are really really good yeah um vocal cyclone is gonna play uh, a little firmer than cyclone tour mm -hmm. um you know what i was talking about a second ago with somebody that wants to try a polyester string mm -hmm. uh for the first time like mm -hmm. cyclone tour is a really good uh a really good option gotcha. um i think it's a, maybe like around 10 bucks um yeah but um it's uh, Cyclone Tour, and you're, you know, you said you're like a five zero, or like you, you know, pretty, pretty competitive. If you're, if you're a pretty yeah. good ball striker, you might string, um, you might string both of those on a little bit on the tighter side for a poly, mm -hmm. um, just because they're they're going to have uh, a little bit more uh, power potential than, you know, like a ALU power. Um, mm -hmm. As far as Hyper G, I I don't have tons of experience with it, but I know that it's supposed to be a little bit on the softer end compared to tour bite hmm. um not a soft string uh Selenko would say it's none of them are soft strings but you know hyper g is, is a little bit softer than tour bite and um i i think i've used it a couple times and i think it's a good string but it's i think it's here to stay and if it's on the more comfortable side um 
then I think it's a I think it's a pretty good string. With the Hyper G, my advice would be to go low. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably remember this. They you know they used to say with with Copoly strings to do ten percent less. Yep. And now I've seen it's either from Selenko or from somebody else. Maybe more like twelve to fifteen percent lower. Mm-hmm. So I think Hyper G might be one that I'm I'd be below fifty on. Mm. Um, what uh, what string pattern are you are you using or what what uh, racket combo? That I mean that's yeah, another huge thing. question. If it's a, if yeah. It's, yeah, if it's a way open pattern, mm-hmm. then you might go a little tighter. But if it's if it's like a sixteen eighteen, you might go a little tighter. But if it's more like a you know a head prestige or something with a really dense pattern, I mean I. I'd go, you know, maybe even mid forties just to start out with. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's a great point there. Yeah, I actually use a sixteen by twenty uh, pure arrow VS. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice, very thing. nice racket. Yeah, 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 it is. So, um, yeah, great advice there. I appreciate that. And uh, maybe one last question for you um, before kind of some uh, you know closing remarks and questions. But um, how often would you say? We should upgrade our rackets, and I can give you some parameters. I mean, let's say uh, we play three to four times a week, uh, a couple hours each of those sessions. Um, so, and maybe like rough estimates, because I have a, a friend, like you mentioned in the beginning, uh, I have a buddy, <laughs> he'll go unnamed, I probably already outed him, but he's played with the same sticks for like, oh gosh, like 15 years. So I'm just curious, you know, how often we should upgrade our rackets, given those parameters. So I think... I think in the past, you know, I still believe the biggest innovation um, that we've had in rackets, you know, is has probably been graphite. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's real sexy to talk about. Oh, the strings, you know, they can, you know, com- complete the quadratic formula and do all this stuff for these players now. You know, and I I still think that you know if if you've got a graphite racket, um, it you know you're you're still probably uh, within the uh, 80th percentile. I, I think uh, in terms of, you know, you're probably okay. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that that has changed a lot in the game is that, you know, it used to be very common for, you know, you go to a tournament and any one of these players has a racket that's over 12 ounces, even with graphite. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I think, I think you're just... You're seeing a lot more of it, and and you know even as uh, as I get older, like you know I grew up playing with a 95 square inch head, and I think I was goofing around the other day and kind of trying to hit with one, and I'm like I just can't do this, <laughs> <laughs> you know I can't do it. Um, but you know to answer your question, I think I think what you what you try to do um, first of all demo, um, you know it's the golden age of the demo. I always joke with that phrase, but it really is like, there's, there's no excuse these days for not finding like the racket that, that, you know, can cure whatever ails you, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak. But mm-hmm. something that I would tell your friend is I would say, okay, well, you know, what is, what does he or she love about the racket that they use? You know, is it is it that they've used it right? Like just to be honest, is it that that's what they've reached for in their bag for you know fifteen twenty years? Is it something more tangible like I really like the beam or the head shape or you know I like you know I just feel like it's so stable because all of that stuff is is uh, copyable right? Uh, mm-hmm. You can you can find those. Cur- I'm not going to say you can you can find the exact copy like you know if you've got a ninety five square inch head I can. 
I can give you a 100 square inch racket with the exact same specs and it's still going to feel a little different, right? Mm -hmm. But I think the first thing is you got to have somebody that's willing to tinker a little bit. And um, I I think a classic thing is, you know, they demo two rackets and don't like any of them. So then they don't demo anymore. Um, Think about uh, test driving a car, right? Like, um, you know, you, you don't buy the first car you test drive. I hope not. (laughs) I hope hope nobody does that. If you do that, stop, um, (laughs) drive, drive more. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would say the person that's really, you know, hung on to something, I would just try to start the conversation with, Hey, what do you love about it? Like, what do you love about this old racket that barely has any paint on it anymore? And what do you not like about it? Cause there's going to be something if they've used it that long, like, man, I, I, I feel like when I get jammed, the ball just sits up on the service line and I want like more help in my next racket to avoid that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there, you know, from there, there's two schools of thought, right. You know, a lot of people, I think about it, somebody like Andy Roddick, you know, his racket made his forehand huger and his serve huger. And that's what he needed. That was his game. Right. Um, I think some people get a racket to try to make up for deficiencies. Right. Uh, well, you know, if I have, too light of a racket. I can't hit a two-handed backhand. So I'll, I can hit a forehand with anything, but I need a racket I can hit a good backhand with. So does that kind of make sense? Like you, yeah. you kind of have to decide that route. You know, there's not really a wrong, a wrong way there. But you know, the odds are there's something out there now, um, especially from a, a comfort standpoint, which I talked about a while ago. Um, the rackets these days, they've, they've done a better job of, of engineering, you know, the, the modern rackets like last year or so they've done a better job about kind of, I think, protecting the consumers and, and making these rackets more comfortable. So there's maybe a little less arm fatigue. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think, uh, you know, somebody that hasn't switched in a long long time would, would surely notice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great advice. I really appreciate that, Sam. So, um, what are a couple, like maybe two or three of your favorite resources to help tennis players uh, uh, improve their ability to find good tennis gear or to improve their game? Uh, either one. Um, well, I'm going to give a shout out to a guy you probably know, uh, uh, Craig O'Shaughnessy. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, does, he does a lot of data work for the ATP tour. Um, and then I think he may still kind of consult with some college programs and, uh, he might, he might be helping out some pro players too. I'm not too sure, but I think he is. His, yeah. Joking one of, one of the, uh, one of my favorite tactical things that, that he, he talks about is that, you know, it's, it's still such a game of errors and it's easy to get, you know, uh, bemused by, wow, look at that, you know, Federer hit that four or Del Potro hit that forehand 105 miles an hour. But at the end of the day, you know, Del Potro, like everybody else is hoping for maybe one or two more winners than errors. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, error driven sport. Um, Craig has this thing. He, he, he basically was like a couple years ago, I think it was Novak and he finished number one in the world. And he said he won 51% of the points. And he's number one in the world that he like he, he played, 50, you know, he won 51 percent of the points he played last year and he was number one in the world. So all of us rec players that are like, I want to win 75 percent of the points. That's just impossible. Yeah, <laughs> that's just not 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 the way it works. And, um, um, you know, it, the it's older now. And uh, but uh, Brad Gilbert has a great book about that, you know, just winning ugly and. 
you know, a lot of the times, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, you go on the court and your strokes look better than the other guy, you're fitter. And, sure. and then 10 minutes later, you find yourself down three, six, and you're like, I don't know what's going on here. What's happening. And mm-hmm. what's happening is probably that person is making you play bad. Um, and so I, I think a lot of that it's, it's, um, it's, it's uh, oh the other thing from Craig that I always loved is he says that you are not the most important person on the court, and I think that's a really good just hey you know this isn't golf like you're trying to beat someone, so if you're just well my forehand's my best shot when I hit it cross court and if you're just going to do that and keep losing then that's not really smart tennis like mm-hmm. if the other guy's a um you know if the other guy's a lefty and his two handed backhand up the line is killing you like. You got to pay attention to that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and then I can I can kind of go on the deep dive. Like I don't know if you're familiar with tennisplayer.net. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know all the all the high speed dart fish footage and mm-hmm. um, that software is is very fascinating stuff. I think the caution there, right, is is making sure that um, you know that recreational or even competitive players making sure that they know the difference between a style system. You know, like there's commonalities between all the top pros, but there's also um, there's also like some subtle style things and maybe not trying to mimic the style, but more trying to mimic the essentials of what makes, you know, Federer's forehand incredible or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I guess I, I guess. And then, I, you know, I watch a lot of tennis. I think I think for the most part, the tennis commentators do a pretty good job. Sam, so great stuff. But uh, where can we uh, go to learn more about Tennis Express and connect with Tennis Express uh, and and also you as well? So TennisExpress.com is our main site. Um, We have a pretty pretty new revamped blog set up at TennisExpress.com slash blog. And uh, we're we're going to be expanding – into more, um, you know, kind of educational stuff about, you know, for example, you know, there's a difference between buying a racket for the very first time versus somebody that's had a a bunch of rackets and, you know, they kind of know more about what they're searching for. Um, we have a lot of resources at at tennisexpress.com. We have a new compare feature that you can use for rackets and shoes. We mentioned earlier just about different foot types and, that kind of allows you to compare, you know, narrow it down to, to two models and you can look and see, you know, this one's more breathable, but this one's lighter, you know, um, um, just to kind of help you shop. There are so many products out there. I think that the name of the game now is helping people narrow down what they're looking for. Uh, we also have, uh, the filters that can help you with your racket search. If you, if you're searching for, um, you know, a racket that's less than 11 ounces or, you know, between, 10 and a half and 11 ounces, you know, you can just click that filter at the side of the page and it'll, you know, populate with just those weights. So that kind of helps you again, sift through all the, you know, hundreds of rackets that are out there. I, uh, I can be reached, uh, on my email. It's samj at tennisexpress.com. And then, you know, for all our video content and reviews, we have our YouTube channel, Tennis Express. So, um, you can search us, subscribe, just like everyone subscribed to this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, we're, we, we've been posting a little bit more, um, content lately, like with gear guides, you know, we try to do gear guides for, for Wimbledon, um, and all the, all the grand slams. Um, and, and, uh, Chris Worman, uh, he does, he does all our shoe previews and he does a really good job kind of 
helping people see the new technologies that are coming out as far as as far as footwear goes. Awesome stuff. Awesome. Stuff. It is real quick too, because uh, we talked about trying rackets and whatnot. You have uh, some sort of demo program, right? Like, how does that work? Tennis Express. We have uh, a really nice demo program. You heard me earlier in the podcast say this is the golden age of the demo. So you can select up to four different demo rackets, and you can keep them for a week. Um, the demos are complimentary. All you got to do is pay the round trip shipping, which uh, starts at seventeen ninety nine for two day delivery, uh, and then we'll include a prepaid uh, shipping label so you can ship them back. The demoing rackets is so important, um, and then you know uh, demoing rackets. If you get the racket and it's not the string that you like, then you need to get the string in there that you like. I mean, it's it's a uh, uh, really really. Uh, the only way to do it now is just to help help you figure out. I mean, you're looking at probably 20, maybe more models from each brand, you know, in that performance line. So very quickly, you're at 100 rackets. So even even just, you know, like uh, I always tell someone it's a great idea to demo four completely different rackets. Like if you have no idea, demo four completely different rackets and then the ones you hate – you know that that that's probably not one for you, and you can kind of narrow your search from there. Awesome, Sam. And last question for you. I always close with this one, at least unless I forget to. Uh, what is one key tip that you can give our audience to help them improve their tennis games? I think something that I see a lot. It's not it's not as much X's and O's as it is about preparation. I think um, you know we're we're getting into the the summer and. Uh, a lot of the times we got, I got a comment this morning that such and such grip didn't work in the humidity in Florida. And I think, I think what I would say is this time of year, um, you know, pretty much all these humid climates where the, the temperature is going to approach, you know, nineties or triple digits wristbands, you got to have them towel, you got to have them and, you know, uh, replacing overgrips. You got to have that stuff. They even have, you know, like a powder and stuff now that can kind of help keep your hands dry. But there is no worse feeling, I think, as a competitive tennis player than when you're about to serve and you feel like the racket might fly, fly right out of your hand. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it gets back to preparation, but, you know, wristbands, you know, having that stuff in your bag, um, it's super important. And then obviously, as everybody can tell from the videos, my cheeks are always red. So sunscreen. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, I definitely had. Uh, I remember actually vi vividly uh, being on the my college tennis team at UMBC, and a and a friend. Uh, his hands always got sweaty, and one time he hit a serve, and the racket flew out, and it, it cracked. So definitely good advice there. But um, Sam, I can't thank you enough for coming onto the podcast and spending uh, quite a bit of time with us today. Really enjoyed the uh, chat and. Uh, uh, really looking forward to checking out more of uh, of your videos and Tennis Express's videos on on all the different gear and everything. And uh, I, of course, highly recommend that people uh, check out Tennis Express as well. And I've ordered from from Tennis Express before, and it's been pretty seamless, and I've enjoyed it. So, uh, Sam, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. And sh shout out to uh, Alex and Christopher as well for uh, helping make this happen, and Brad as well. So, uh, Sam, thanks a lot for coming onto the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Let's do it again. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. 
All right. I hope you really enjoyed my interview with Sam Jones from Tennis Express. And again, big shout out to Chris, as well as Christopher, uh, who's another member of the Tennis Express team, Alex and Brad over there uh, for uh, all their uh, support and uh, having uh, arranged this interview. I really appreciate it. And uh, I really would uh, appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that by going to your favorite podcast app, searching for the Tennis Files podcast, and then hitting that big, juicy subscribe button. Uh, for iTunes, you can actually go to tennisfiles.com slash iTunes, and then you'll uh, be linked straight to the show where you can subscribe there. And of course, all the links that were mentioned on today's show will be on the show notes page at tennisfiles.com slash 103. And you should definitely check out the show notes page because I also have for you a free $5 gift card thanks to Tennis Express. And so if you go to tennisfiles.com slash 103 and you scroll down to the links, you will see that gift card offer right there. So just click that, uh, sign up real quick, and it only takes two seconds, and then you'll get your gift card. So again, really appreciate you listening to the show. And what I want to do next is introduce a quote, as I often like to do at the end of the show, and this one is by Walt Disney. I've had actually a few quotes from him, a very legendary individual. And he said, it's kind of fun to do the impossible. And I agree. It's it's very uh, fun and healthy to try to implement stretch goals into your life, you know, to really dream the impossible. Sometimes you might think it's impossible, but uh, as shown by, for example, the Wimbledon final, we never thought that we'd see it go to a fifth set 12 all. I mean, these just legends of the game, Federer playing. Uh, He's almost 38. He's going to be 38 in August. And uh, what a match that was. And I actually recently bought a little, I don't know what to call it, like a block poster type thing. And it's on my desk. And this quote says, dream it, wish it, do it. And I look at that a lot to help motivate me, especially if I'm kind of feeling lazy. I kind of look at that and then I remember all the goals that I have and what I want to accomplish. And it's really powerful for me. So that's kind of why I give you these quotes once in a while. Actually, after I meditate every single morning, I also post on my Instagram stories um, a, a, a quote that I get, and it's actually from the Calm app because I meditate through Calm, which is a fantastic app. Really, really suggests that you check that one out. I'm not getting any kickbacks or anything from them, but it's just a fantastic app. And uh, yeah, big fan of that. And also with my Instagram uh, page, if you'd like to follow me, you can just uh, search tennis underscore files. So that's T-E-N-N-I-S underscore F-I-L-E-S. And that would be cool. So I'll follow you back. Anyways, Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Tennis Files podcast. I will continue to bring you the best content that I can to help you improve your game, as well as interesting interviews and so forth, like the one I did today. And uh, wishing you all the best. Keep getting out there every you know every day that you can, and pick something before you go out there. Have a plan uh, to improve a certain aspect of your tennis game. It can just be one aspect. Work hard on it, master it, and your game will skyrocket. So. All right. With that, I wish you a great week, month, and year, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.